0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President, Tony Perkins.
1: Welcome to this Friday edition of Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Coming up, the House GOP rolled out their commitment to America this morning in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
2: They control Washington. They control the House, the Senate, the White House. They control the committees. They control the agencies. It's their plan. But they have no plan to fix all the problems they created. So you know what? We've created a commitment to America.
1: I was Republican leader Kevin McCarthy earlier this morning. The pledge to voters is designed to provide a clear governing contrast between Democrats and Republicans. The commitment touches on issues of importance to American families, the economy, education, life, religious freedom, the border, and crime. And speaking of crime, a comment from the CEO of McDonald's about the state of crime and chaos in Chicago has gotten some attention.
3: And Everywhere I go, I'm confronted by the same question these days. What's going on in Chicago? While it may wound our civic pride to hear it, there is a general sense out there that our city is in crisis. That
1: was McDonald's CEO Chris Kipkinski at the Economic Club of Chicago last week. As expected, the often bewildered mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, took umbrage to the comment.
4: What would have been helpful is for the McDonald's CEO to educate himself um, before he spoke. There's an article that I think is posted that uh,
2: prints a letter uh, from the head of World Business Chicago uh, that lays out um, in exacting detail all the good news, uh, economic news about what's happening in our city.
4: Um, So I'm going to focus on those things and not... The comments of the CEO of McDonald's.
1: Well, I do think education is in order, but not for the guy who cooks burger, burgers for a living. I, I think it might be the mayor of Chicago. All right. Well, we're going to talk about crime and the uh, the other areas the commitment of America focuses on. Focuses on with Congressman Steve Scalise, Republican Whip, who was a part of the rollout this morning. Speaking of the contrast between Republicans and Democrats, I played the, this clip yesterday of Speaker Pelosi's weekly press
4: conference. The Republicans just keep revealing themselves. Democrats want women to be respect women and the women's right to choose and make decisions about family and and the rest. And uh, the Republicans that want to criminalize women's health care.
1: Uh, let me just say the truth is not to be found in her words. The left has pounced on abortion, perceiving weakness for Republicans. But could their perception be wrong? Well, pollster Robert Kahaley with the Trafalgar Group joins me with the latest take on where Americans really stand on the issue of abortion and life. And uh, by the way, speaking of abortion, President Biden spoke to a Democrat National Committee fundraiser in New York City this week. Of course, he addressed the administration's number one priority, and that is abortion until birth attacking the bill introduced by Senator Lindsey Graham that draws a line on abortion when a baby feels pain. This is what President Biden said. He said, quote, I happen to be a practicing Catholic, end quote. He went on to say that Graham's bill is stricter than the Catholic Church on abortion. Really? We're going to talk about that later here on Washington Watch. And finally, this morning I was on C-SPAN's Washington Journal. Among the topics we covered was the future
5: of evangelicals. According to the Pew Research Center, U.S. Christian majority is projected to end by 2070. Christians accounted for approximately 90 percent of the population 50 years ago. number fell to about 64 percent in 2020, and Christians are projected to make up between 54 to 35 percent by 2070 if the trends continue.
1: And with C-SPAN host Greta Brawner will christians disappear in america as the left hopes well we'll have that conversation a little bit later with a good friend former president of the southern baptist convention dr ronnie floyd the website tonyperkins.com if you miss anything it's all archived right there along with resources for you all right the word for today comes from ecclesiastes chapter 12 verses 13 and 14 let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear god And keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. These last two verses of the book provide the antidote to the man's malady described in the opening of the book, where Solomon says, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man from all his labor, which he toils under the sun? In other words, Solomon is saying, what many are feeling today. Life is empty. What's the point of living? Well, without a relationship with our creator, life is meaningless. That's not to say life cannot be filled with activity and even fun, but the greater meaning and purpose to life is elusive. The key to discovering that purpose and meaning is to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. To fear God is to know him, and knowing him is what gives life meaning and purpose. At an event this morning, Republican House leaders confirmed details of an agenda they call Commitment to America. In addition to its focus on the economy, crime and illegal immigration, the commitment's policies emphasize defending the unborn, protecting parental rights and upholding religious liberty question is, will it help Republicans take back the House this November? Joining me now to discuss this and more is Republican House Minority Whip Steve Scalise. He's a member of the House Committee on Energy and Commerce and represents Louisiana's first congressional district. Steve, welcome back to the program. All right, Did we lose him?
6: Yeah, Tony, can you hear me?
1: Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Welcome to the program.
6: Great to be back with you. Appreciate you having me.
1: All right, so uh, tell us about the commitment to America, the the plan, and how the rollout went this morning.
6: Yeah, the rollout went great. We did it at a steel manufacturing facility right outside of Pittsburgh, and we wanted to get into you know, real America, get away from the bubble of Washington, and talk about the issues that people care about. You know, what you're seeing in Washington is this far less socialist agenda. You know, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi completely detached from reality, Kamala Harris, says the border secure. Joe Biden goes on 60 Minutes and says inflation's pretty much stagnant. It's over 8% and it's crushing families. And so when we had this rollout today, we also had a town hall meeting with real people. And, you know, people were talking about the problems they're facing with inflation and how it's making it for them to put food on the table. We had a local sheriff there that talked about how the open southern border is even affecting a state like Pennsylvania with all the fentanyl that's coming into his community. He talked about a recent death uh, of young kids from fentanyl. We've seen it all across America. So we wanted to not just say what we're against. We don't like this far-left socialist agenda. But we wanted to show the country what we're for, to lay out a bold, conservative vision to confront the problems families are facing. That's what the commitment to America is. It's a document that we're going to be running on in every district across America. But then, if we are able to get a Republican House This is what we will do. This shows you what the first hundred days, the first six months of a Republican House would look like, the kind of bills that would go through committee and be passed through the House. And let's make this an issue in Senate races. Pennsylvania, Dr. I think we may have. where is Joe Biden on these bills.
1: Uh, Steve, you're fading out. I know you're, you're headed uh, to, to catch a flight, but I want to play a clip of uh, Steny Hoyer and his response to the rollout this morning.
0: Kevin McCarthy uh, and Republicans are standing up, uh, making a commitment to America. Don't give me a commitment. Do it. I don't want to hear your words. What I want to see is your action.
1: I'm not quite sure he does want to see the Republicans deliver. But, Steve, that is one criticism that these are priorities, they're overly general, and lack any specific policy plans. Can you speak to that?
6: Yeah, because there are a lot of bills, very specific bills. And, you know, interesting that Steny Hoyer would say that because every week I do a colloquy with Steny Hoyer. So at the end of each week, Steny Hoyer and I debate the differences between what they're doing on the House floor because they're in the majority and what we'd like to do. So I've presented him very specific bills, for example, to lower energy costs. And every week I've presented those bills, he has yet to bring any of those bills to the floor. A Republican House would bring those bills to the floor. Uh, My colleague from Louisiana, Julia Letlow, has a specific bill called the Parents' Bill of Rights. That's also part of our commitment to America. Democrats refuse to bring it up, but among other things, it says that parents have, would have a right to be involved in their kids' education, to be able to get the curriculum for their schools. And these are some of the same parents who were called to by the Biden administration. And of course, Nancy Pelosi has been blocking these bills. So I'd love to see action on the floor in all of these. But right now, the Speaker of the House is Nancy Pelosi, and she will not allow any of these to come to the floor. So there are a lot of very specific bills. You know, when we talk about energy production, there's not a single bill to lower energy costs. There's a number of bills. You deal with permitting reform. You deal with lease sales. You know, you've got to build more pipelines. Joe Biden killed not just the Keystone pipeline, but he's rejected every other pipeline that would move fossil fuels through America because he's against American energy. So we would have a number of bills on each of these issues to fix the problems they created. So... Let's let the country make that decision. And, of course, Nancy Pelosi today called it extremist. So I guess Nancy Pelosi thinks it's extremist to secure America's border, uh, to stop those 100,000 young people from dying from fentanyl. Uh, Of course, she wants abortion on demand up until birth paid for by taxpayers. That's the extreme position. That's what we're fighting against.
0: Yeah, let me
1: just uh, highlight some of these uh, areas that the commitment to America covers. You talked about the crime you talked about, which includes the border, talked about the family education. That's a key issue. Religious freedom is also contained in here. You mentioned uh, the sanctity of human life, protecting the unborn and their mothers, uh, financial transactions. We're seeing a lot of this wokeness in, uh, in uh, in the business community and the financial community. This is designed to draw a contrast between Republicans and Democrats as voters begin to cast ballots for the two parties in this falls election. What's really at stake in this Falls election? What do voters need to know
6: about?: Tony, I think people are losing hope, and when I go to swing districts all around the country, I was in over 25 districts during the month of August, and you see that same despair. People are angry, they don't like the direction of the country, but the real concern Tony, that people have, and you see it too, people wonder, if we keep going down this path of socialism and trillions of dollars of spending and taxes and doubling the IRS, will America still be that land of opportunity? Will people still have the same chance at the American dream tomorrow, 10 years from now, uh, as we do today? And it's in doubt. It's very seriously in doubt. That's going to be on the ballot this November. So I think it's very consequential. I think people recognize that, the enthusiasm level for people coming out to vote. They love the candidates that we have because a lot of the candidates are people that have great military service background, people from different walks of life that want to be a part of saving this country and and allowing our kids to have the same opportunities we have.
1: Final question for you, Congressman Steve Scalise. We're up against a break, but where can people find out more about the commitment to America that the Republicans rolled out today?
6: You can go to commitment to com, and that has not just the, the kind of the broad brush objectives but also a lot of the details some some are bills that are already filed some are things that would go through a committee and look people haven't even seen a legislative process because pelosi shuts congress down and writes her own bills why don't we actually have the public be able to participate in that again that's going to be part of the commitment to america
1: all right as always congressman steve scalise great to talk with you and uh... Look forward to seeing these policies put forth and uh, enacted into law.
6: Thanks a lot, Tony. Appreciate
1: it. All right, Congressman Steve Scalise of Louisiana, Republican whip. Of course, once these go through the House, even if they make it through the Senate, they would land onto the president's desk, and I think this current president wouldn't sign them. But. It is a good exercise for what might happen in two years. All right, coming up, a look at midterms, the polling with abortion now on the ballot. Are Democrats smart to make abortion until birth a defining issue? That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away.
7: Would you like to spend consistent time in God's word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible.
5: Learn more at FRC.org forward slash life.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this Friday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right. The conventional wisdom in Washington is that the abortion issue has energized the left and caused midterm election races to tighten. But one pollster, Robert Cahaley of Trafalgar Group, believes that not only is a pro-life position good policy, it's also a strong political strategy for the GOP. Join me now here in studio to discuss this is Robert Cahaley. He's a senior strategist and pollster for the Trafalgar Group. Robert, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to be here. All right. So you seem to have the corner on the market on this wisdom because it looks like, uh, with the exception of a few like uh, Lindsey Graham, who was on the program earlier this week, a lot of Republicans listening to pollsters, and I would think the left, and they're running for the high grass on this issue.
3: Well, what they've done is they've gotten hoodwinked into believing that they they don't know how to frame this. I mean, just as Senator Graham said, when Republicans are talking about 15 weeks and Restrictions that are that limited—they're—they're they're at sixty, eighty percent of where the public is. Right. And, and when the other side's talking about partial birth abortion and third trimester, I mean that's what the public is not. I mean that—that's less than eleven percent of the public. So you've been polling. In fact, I used your numbers this morning when I was on C-SPAN. Sixty
1: uh, percent of the public is with the position that Lindsey Graham has. Only forty percent are where Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats are with abortion until birth.
3: And if you draw and if you draw uh, the lines at, at just a little further and you just go to heartbeat, you only drop to 55. So that position that we found as the, the most extreme position, third trimester, partial birth, that's only 11% of the public. So oh, yeah. it is a very small position. But the media is helping the Democrats on this issue. There's no question the media is fixated on this. And, and there's been a lot of... People buying in and fixing it less. But what we've seen is since the student loan thing came out, we've seen a completely different focus, and that that issue has taken the energy out of this one, and that is as motivational for conservatives, for working people, as the abortion is for some of the extreme on the left.
1: I want to play a clip from uh, MSNBC. Um, play clip. I think it's clip 13.
4: And this egg from, uh, from that we got today in this form of this horrible uh, national abortion ban, I think it's going to do that work for Democrats so that they can continue to leverage the momentum they have and they can continue to draw the contrast with the extremist, MAGA republicans that they've painted them to be, that Republicans have lived up to being, because they've shown that they're hell-bent on controlling and punishing women and pregnant people.
1: All right, that was uh, political analyst for MSNBC, Juanita Tulliver. Um, So that's what we're hearing on the press. How are people responding to
2: that?
3: Well, first of all, I I can't really speak to how women and pregnant people are responding. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Thank
1: you for (laughs) pulling that out because,
3: you know, they get it wrong from the beginning. Pregnant
1: (laughs) people, it's pregnant women. But they've become so uh, uh, uh,
3: intoxicated with this political correctness that, that they look ludicrous, Well, what what we've seen is now abortion is starting to actually fade behind the border as a motivating reason to vote. And so, I mean, this is their holy grail. This is what they're riding to election. And what I will tell you is the intensity on the thing they care the most is dying down as more and more the positions of average Americans are more on the side of the 15-week limit, of the heartbeat limit. And a lot of the states where abortion... People really want to have abortions. They don't have any restrictions coming anyway. So what we're seeing is the student loan, and we're seeing the new attention to the border eclipsing this issue as a motivational thing. So the Democrats are probably not smart running on this issue. This is not this is not their winning issue because it's also their wedge issue. Because for every uh, Democrat activist who is fired up about abortion and carrying a sign and has v- abandoned. The abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Position, which was their previous position, there are Hispanic voters who say they no longer represent me. Good point. Uh, in your
1: data on the Hispanics, Hispanics were more supportive of restrictions at the 15-week mark than white voters.
3: Absolutely, but the more religious voters, people more religiously, more deeply held religious beliefs the stronger the limitation is and the more limits they'd like to see placed on it. So the Democrat Party is literally taking a piece of its base, a solid black vote and Hispanic vote they voted to depend on, and by being so one way on abortion is alienating themselves from voters they desperately need to maintain their coalition. Now, I I, I think,
1: you know, It's more pronounced from looking at the crosstabs among Hispanic voters. I mean, this could be setting a future course when you consider the family issues, not just the abortion issue, but the education issue. And then when you combine the socialistic policies that many of these have tried to escape in Central and South America, when they see the Democratic Party embracing them, where do they go? They don't go
3: to that party. Absolutely not. So they've, they've really picked a very, you know, a very silly high, a hill to die on on this one. So
1: how should Republicans be addressing this?
3: Well, what Republicans should do is talk about the things that everyone can agree on. And what you're finding in National Consensus on is some kind of recognition that partial birth abortion, third trimester abortion is not acceptable now Where is the line to be drawn? And when you start with that, they get stuck on the other side of that line, and that's an easy place where you can divide the majority from them.
1: Well, I mean, look at, let's take Lindsey Graham's bill, 15 weeks, and as I mentioned, I had him on the program early this week. I am pro-life from conception through birth. I mean, through life. I mean, it's just, I don't think we should have abortion at all that's the way I voted. That's the way I've worked. But we have to find consensus. And that consensus is moving as technology and understanding grows. I believe Lindsay is right. We can find consensus at least with 70 percent, 60 percent of the American public on that issue. But look at where the Democrats are. They will not draw the line the day before birth.
3: That's an extreme position. Absolutely. and And, and that and when when and I've said for months, when Republicans are arguing about which, recept- which exceptions, how many exceptions, they're not winning. When they're arguing about partial birth or third trimester, they are winning.
1: All right, Robert, we've got to go up uh, to a break. I want to come back. There are five states that will have abortion on the ballot this fall want to take a look at some of those states and, and how this might be affecting some of the races as well as some of the other issues as we move toward the uh, November elections. My guest Robert Kahaley with Trafalgar Group. Uh, they're one of the they're pretty precise. They seem to have a really good track record of uh, telling it as it unfolds. So we're going to continue this conversation on the other side of the break. Don't go away, more Washington Watch straight ahead. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So glad that you have joined us on this Friday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. My guest in studio, Robert Kahaley of Trafalgar Group. Uh, they do polling across the country. We we're just talking about the issue of abortion and how the Democrats may not be too smart in pinning their success on the abortion issue and driving abortion till birth as a campaign issue. Robert, thanks so much for uh, coming in studio today. All right, so we've got uh, about five states that have this on the ballot. I uh, have three states, California, Michigan, Vermont, will have a proposed constitutional amendments to enshrine abortion into their constitutions. You know, those are blue states for the most part. You've got Kentucky and Montana restricting abortion. Uh, so abortion is going to be an issue. But your point is, based on what you see, is that it's not the issue Democrats had hoped and are trying to make it into
3: it, it certainly isn't uh, because it, it's just a, it only activates a certain segment of the public, and what you're seeing is a much greater segment of the public is feeling victimized by inflation, a greater segment of the public uh, feels offended by student loans, and there's another segment of the public that that consider themselves Trump supporters, MAGA Republicans, who, who feel intimidated. Yeah, and. And there's yet others who are upset by the border. So there are a lot of things that it's a crowded, it's it's a crowded dance card and abortion just not taking the place on it. They thought it would. I want to go to
1: one of those issues in just a moment, the intimidation, because I think that uh, goes to President Biden's speech in Philadelphia a couple weeks ago. But before I do, the intensity, you know, you look at voter turnout and it's roughly equal. You see polling, it's roughly equal. But it's the intensity on issues that make a difference on
3: election day. Where's the intensity right now? Right now, the Republicans have the lead on the intensity, and I would argue that's why Biden did this speech. He is trying to wake up Democrats and to create this idea of this of this threat because he he's got to you know he's got to sound like there's a five alarm fire. That's what his goal is right now. Uh, I think the Democrats are probably see better. I generally think the Democrats are better pollsters than Republicans, and so I think they've realized they have a problem mm-hmm. before the Republicans knew it. And so they're out there trying to gin up their base and make them think this is the end of the world. Okay, so in
1: Philadelphia on the steps of Independence Hall, the president basically, I mean, just berates half of the American public. Maga Republicans, uh, you know. And then he he defines it indirectly by saying these are the people who support life. These are the people who support natural marriage. These are the people who support having
3: control over their children's education. I mean, that's a lot of Americans. That yeah, is, he it is a lot of Americans declaring one at one time. Uh, there's no question. And what the phenomena we've seen is, you know, 2016, we found it was kind of a shy Trump voter. People who had seen all the, you know, the demonization of Trump supporters uh, called deplorables and all this this stuff. And to people who were hesitant, especially on a live call, to admit they're voting Trump. And we had some vehicles to get around that. We've, we helped identify those. But by 2020, it was, you know, we were kind of in the midst of cancel culture, and people were harder to get. Uh, Republicans who didn't like Trump couldn't wait to take a poll, and Republicans who did were hesitant to participate. This year we have a different phenomenon. I call them submerged voters, and these are uh, Republicans in the past who might have put a sticker in their car, might have put a sign in their yard, posted on social media, and taken polls, and they're doing none of those things. They, they feel very nervous. Uh, they tell us, they're reaching out to us directly uh, on the Internet and saying, hey, is this your poll? I saw it. I didn't want to take it. I didn't know who it was. It's somebody keeping a list. But they've heard stories about the government monitoring Facebook. They've heard stories about banks starting to monitor their c- credit card transactions. So it's not an intellectual jump right. that somebody's trying to keep track of who people are saying in polls, and they're scared. So I predict that every poll, including ours, will underestimate Republican turnout.
1: We saw that back in 2004 and five when marriage amendments were on the ballot where a lot of the voters did not want to say they supported natural marriage because of, you know, the, the the hate that we get from the other side. And so as a result, the polls were off seven to ten points in some races. So you, you're
3: predicting that kind of a swing we might see? I th- Well, part of the problem of they're not taking polls is we can't predict it. Yeah. So I, 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 it could be one point. It could be three. I don't know. But I do know that we've seen too much evidence of it. I've heard too many people tell us. And it's just a phenomenon that is new uh, and more intense than I've seen it before. But there are people who are just literally scared and, you know, maybe, probably not justifiably scared right. that somebody's taking polls and trying to keep track of who they, where they are. But it doesn't matter. They're scared. They're nervous. And like I say, they they are submerged. They're underwater until Election Day. Nobody's going to see them. They're going to go and they're going to vote. But uh, I don't think we're going to see them coming, and they're going to be very hard to count. Well, I hope they show up in uh, mass numbers. Robert Cahaley, always good to talk with you. Thanks so much Absolutely. for uh, coming in the studio today. Yes,
1: sir. appreciate you having us. All right. Well, folks, look, I- I'll tell you this. We-, we have no reason to be fearful. You know, the Scripture makes that very clear. We do not – we have not been given a spirit of fear. And so we have a spirit uh, of-, of love and of a sound mind, and we need to operate in that. And look, let the world say what they want to say. Let's stand up for biblical truth and what we know is right in the best interest of this country. But by all means, we need to be registered. We need to make sure our friends are registered, our family, and they're turning out to vote on Election Day. I know some are concerned about the shenanigans that we've seen, you know, the stuffing of uh, ballot boxes and so on and so forth. And is that going to happen? There'll probably be some of it. But let's overwhelm it by making sure we're registered and we're voting. We need to show up. All right, don't go away. We're coming back on the other side of the break. The president says that Lindsey Graham's bill is stricter on abortion than his church, the Catholic Church. Really? We're going to talk about that with Connor Simelsberger here at the Family Research Council. And then we're going to be joined by Dr. Ronnie Floyd to talk about the future of Christianity in America. Don't go
4: away.
5: Visit FRC.org slash internships to apply.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Friday. Let me again remind you of the website, TonyPerkins.com. In remarks at a Democratic National Committee fundraiser this week up in New York City, while President Biden was speaking at the U.N., He took the opportunity to promote, again, what is this administration's number one priority, abortion. And he was criticizing Senator Lindsey Graham's protecting pain-capable unborn children from late-term abortions act. Now, this is legislation that seeks to draw the line after 15 weeks, saying after 15 weeks, the point at which a baby can feel pain, and that's what medical science tells us, he said, That's where we draw the line. That's where consensus is in. We were just talking about this with Robert Cahaley. Sixty percent of the Americans are there. Well, the president said this. He said, quote, I happen to be a practicing Roman Catholic. My church doesn't even make that argument now, speaking to the issue of the exceptions that uh, Senator Graham's bill allows for. Now, this is so far removed from truth, I don't even know where to start. So... I've actually asked Connor Simelsberger, Director of Federal Affairs, Life, and Human Dignity here at the Family Research Council to join me in studio to address this. Connor, welcome back to the program. Yep, glad to be back on. All right, uh, Connor, you're Catholic, and so I thought it might be better to allow you to address because I'm pretty, I, I see it pretty simplistic from a standpoint
0: of the Catholic faith. I've always thought they were pro-life. That indeed, right, from the beginning. Um, you know, President Biden's, false on two accounts. He's not correct. This bill that he's discussing does actually have exceptions for rape and incest that he's discussing there. But even if it didn't, the Catholic Church has always been clear. That's the one issue from, you know, the, the beginning stages of our faith. We're always made clear that life is valuable and it must be protected. And abortion is murder in all instances, even for cases of rape and incest. So even Pope Francis has made comments as much very recently saying abortion is murder and never should we have to choose between two lives, the unborn child and the mother. Is Is this offensive to Catholics? Very much so. And, you know, we saw the whole highlight with uh, Archbishop Cordelioni in San Francisco, you know, admonishing, you know, Nancy Pelosi on her comments on abortion. The same thing rings true. To see a president um, wear his faith as a badge, as a badge of honor, and misrepresent the truth so profoundly, it really is. And I think for all of Christians who have... For centuries known that life begins at conception and it must be valued. So to see the president get up there and so misrepresent the truth, the truth of the Catholic faith on what it means to stand for life, something that's so essential to our faith, um, it's, it's very disheartening and misleading to the faithful, not just the American public. Well, this goes back, in fact, to uh, one of the issues that was touched on this morning when I was on
1: C-SPAN Speaking from an evangelical standpoint, you know, what does it mean to be an evangelical? One is we believe the word of God and we believe it actually has application to our lives. So I've long struggled with, you know, Nancy Pelosi proclaiming to be Catholic, the president proclaiming to be Catholic, faithful Catholic. But yet not only does, you know, ignore the teachings of Scripture, but even the, the teachings of the Catholic Church and the doctrine that
0: they embrace. Yeah, and, you know, the, the Catholic faith was on the front lines of the pro-life movement um, since its beginning.
1: And I made that point that the, the, the evangelicals were actually late to the pro-life movement. I'm grateful for how the Catholics led on that for decades.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so for, again, the president to misrepresent an issue so badly and unfortunately to be the most pro-abortion president we've ever had to sadly say that that was a one point of practicing Catholic um, is so sad. And so that's why we pray for our president, we pray for our elected leaders, uh, that they do have a conversion of heart. But at the same time, it's just so striking to misrepresent the truth on something so fundamental and even to not even get the details of uh, the legislation, right, to right. know what's even in it. Um, I think is telling of where he's at on the issue. Connor Simmelsberger, thank you for uh, coming in studio and addressing that for us. Yeah, happy to. Thanks, Tony.
1: All right. And, um, you know, there's just dishonesty uh, in, in what we see coming out of the, the president and his party. And by the way, this is something I talked about last week. But what it means to be, um, I believe, when you talk about evangelical. Of course we use another term we call Sagecon spiritually active governance engaged conservatives these are people like me like most of you who are motivated to engage the culture whether that be political whether that be humanitarian from our faith our faith directs our actions and so we we have uh, actually a little survey if you'd like to take it and we'll give you the results whether or not you are a Sagecon a spiritually active governance engaged Conservative? Do you meet the criteria? If you'd like to take that, uh, several of you took it last week when I put it out, you can text the word SAGECON, that's S-A-G-E-C-O-N, to 67742. That's 67742. I'll send you a link. You take the survey, and we'll give you the results back to determine whether or not you are a SAGECON, that is, one who is motivated to engage the culture according to their faith. Well, speaking of faith in America... Earlier this month, Pew Research Center released a study projecting that Christians in the United States could be a minority population by 2070. For perspective, at the start of this decade, 64% of Americans identified as Christians, while 30% identified as religiously unaffiliated, also known as nuns. Even more disturbing, as recently as the 90s, more than 90% of Americans identified as Christians. Now, this is Christians in title, not talking about evangelicals, not talking about people who necessarily live by their faith, but people who identify as Christian. Well, the nuns aren't just coming from young people. Older Americans are leaving the faith too, according to this research, changing their affiliation from Christian to no religion. Now, what does that mean for the church and what does it mean for the future of our country? Join me now to uh, discuss this is noted pastor, author, speaker, and a good friend of mine, Dr. Ronnie Floyd. He served as president and CEO of the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee. He's also served as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention and was a pastor for more than 40 years. Dr. Floyd, welcome back to Washington Watch.
2: Well, hello, Tony. It is awesome to be with you today, and thank you for the privilege of talking with you for a few minutes.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about this this survey. I mean, this is something that you've been focused on in terms of evangelism within the Southern Baptist Convention and beyond. Uh, Do the the projections that are put forth by Pew, do they surprise you at all?
2: Not really, Tony. I think that the reality is is that America is becoming a much more secular nation day by day, even by various matters that are described on this program periodically and almost daily. We are seeing this move toward complete secularism, a vacancy of God in our midst. But never, never has there been a greater moment to be able to really pursue deeply uh, the next great spiritual awakening in the united states it is obvious that god alone is our answer and we must come to him
1: without question and i think in fact even in the pew research they point to the fact that these and, and it's a it's a model they have different models they based upon sure trends. But one thing they do point to, they say that, you know, a spiritual awakening or a revival that I'm not sure the exact terms that they use could uh, offset any of their projections. So I think there is that element that only God can change certain things. And we pray and hope that he does looking through this. What struck you most. So, I mean, when when you look through the data here and what they're projecting and why these trends are occurring, was there anything in particular that jumped out at you?
2: I think it was the blatant commitment to declaring yourself a nun, uh, someone who has no faith whatsoever at all. I think we lived in an America and grew up in an America that whether or not that was uh, reality or not in a person's heart, many times they would not say it today there is a freedom to say it and even a pride in saying it and so i think the the church has got to return to the priority of evangelizing their communities tony it is extremely important it is significant that we engage the next generation and it is significant that churches must regain a heart to reach their city for Jesus Christ.
1: There's clearly a need for that. We see that in this data. And, you know, I, 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 in some ways, I think that the church has failed in terms of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. I mean, I know, yeah. you know, the people just, in fact, you, you know this data, most people do not accept Jesus Christ in a church. They actually accept him through the testimony or through the witnessing of believers who have come out of the church and are doing it in the workplace or doing it, uh, you know, in the shopping center or, or wherever. I, you know, I think that that has to be front and center in terms of preaching the gospel, preaching and challenging believers to be bold and to be courageous in their faith and to go out and share their faith with others.
2: Yes, there's no question, Tony. Um, You know, I, I would just take where I'm living presently here in Northwest Arkansas, the home of Walmart, Tyson, J.B. Hunt, and about 1,400 companies that are here to serve Walmart. And it is very obvious that if you want to reach this region for Jesus Christ, of which our church is very committed to see done, you must equip people to be able to engage at the faith level at the apologetic level of the business community in this region. This is not only true about this city, but this is true about most, if not all, regions in the United States. And the church has got to return to the importance of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry in the marketplace, in the business community, in the medical world, and the legal world, you name it, we've got to go where the people are and make a difference for Jesus Christ. The church cannot be mediocre in this commitment. Right. It is imperative that we do this.
1: I, I think it's almost counterintuitive to what we see many churches kind of... Where they're going is that, well, we we just got to we got to soften the message. We got to you know, we got to back up a little bit because we don't want to we don't want to overdo it. I actually think people today are looking for something that is that is clear, that is definitive, that actually means something that means enough to you that you will live it in a counterculture
2: way. Sure. And Tony, you know, when you look at it, I mean, I'm not trying to make a big deal about this, but let's just look at how many churches even give public opportunities to come to Jesus Christ in a worship service. Years Mm -hmm. ago, that was commonplace in most evangelical churches. Today, it is no longer commonplace. It is basically uh, dumbing it down to a moment as people leave. If you want to talk to somebody, go here or go there. I mean, you know, at least have a little intentionality. Yeah. There are people that come to everyone's church in this nation that need Jesus
1: Christ. I, I must be old school because I still give yeah. an altar call every place Absolutely.
2: I go. I, I do too. And But it is tragic. Yeah. And we have to understand... We are getting what we are getting ready for. Yeah, We have to be able to sow the seed, sow the seed, sow the seed of the gospel and trust that in time, the Holy Spirit is going to draw people into a relationship with the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me mention the, the area that
1: struck me the most where I think there is a clear warning sign of a deficiency in the church is the fact that according to this study, based upon recent patterns observed in recent decades, we estimate, this is the Pew, that 31% of people raised Christian become unaffiliated between the ages of 15 and 29. Uh, This is a period in which religious switching is concentrated. This, more than any other period, is when people will switch, leave their faith, Why is this happening? Are our churches, our parents really doing the transference of faith? You know, are kids just growing up in a Christian home, but not entering into a relationship with Christ, which is transformative?
2: I think the reality is is that parents must understand that they are the disciple makers of their children. Um, While the church may have to deal with this and should deal with it at all times, uh, the bottom line is a lot of that's determined in the family. And then you have to look at this. A lot of people who are one to Christ in their early teen years, they also are are as children, they grew up in families that are unchurched. And so now you are, you're dealing with even more of that challenge of how to extend that faith when they go on the collegiate campuses. And then you look at it this way, Tony. How many times do you find a collegiate city, uh, doesn't matter whether it's anywhere in the south or anywhere else, that has a strong church that is reaching college students for Jesus Christ, that is really moving the ball forward with the collegiate community? One of the most unchurched regions, or one, one of the most unchurched groups in all of America, is the collegiate community in the United States. Mm -hmm. Tony, there are 21 million university students in the United States. How many of them are in anyone's church, any kind of church, on a Sunday morning? Our churches must prioritize the reaching of children, the reaching of students, the reaching of college students, and putting a stream in the church that literally moves to moments of discipling them and making sure that they are getting into adulthood and into early marriage in life where they are rock solid and that they go to church and that that's a part of their life. Right. I mean, we've done a very poor job at that. Some churches do excellent. Some don't do anything at all. Nationally, it's obvious. It's not been done well. Well,
1: uh, Dr. Floyd, we're going to to leave it there. We're we're out of time. But it certainly tells us that the fields are white under harvest. And the opportunities are great for us to reach this country, the people of this country for Christ. Dr. Floyd, always good to see you. Thank you. Folks, thank you for being with us. Always good to see you as well. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed... When you've prepared and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported.